Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Man, we are an unlucky group of guys here. Um, our usual place that we're where we normally record, we um, well, we picked the wrong booth, and now we're in a one-person booth, and we're kind of standing, but we're chilling, and we're ready to do a podcast. Yeah, we're ready to go. No complaints here. So, Matt, actually, I have an interesting story to tell you, a story that happened this morning. So, like, I actually have a connection to my topic, which I normally don't do, but this morning. I woke up with sleep paralysis. You couldn't move. I couldn't. Well, let me explain. I couldn't move my left arm for a solid two minutes. It was one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had. You're completely aware of this arm not moving. As in, like, I used my right arm to grab my left arm and throw it across my body, and I still couldn't move it. Ooh, that's a weird sensation. It was a very weird sensation. And, you know, I wanted to do some more research. Like, what is sleep paralysis? So the definition of sleep paralysis is uh, sleep paralysis is when uh, while you're either waking up or falling asleep, you are unable to move, but you're aware of what's going on. Uh, During an episode of sleep paralysis, you may be able to hear things, feel things, or see things that are not there. Luckily, I did not have to deal with any ghosts or phantoms haunting me. Um, Because... People can see things or hear things or feel things. This often turns into a fear response, and it can kind of ruin your day, you know? You don't you don't want to wake up without feeling your body and then feeling like there's someone creeping down your back. Yeah, first, first thing in the morning, that's not the best. Yikes. And the thing is, sleep paralysis, it could be just like a single episode thing, or you might actually have it a recurring every, one, every couple nights you get this. So you can be prone to it. Yes, but scientists don't really know why. So for those who haven't had full-blown sleep paralysis, let's imagine with me here. Imagine you're laying down and you hear like humming and hissing noises around you and you can't, you can't move. And you almost can think of those sounds that you hear as whispers or voices coming towards you. But you can't move or move your body to see it. It's almost like a dream. It is almost like a dream, but you're awake already. But you're awake, yeah. Yeah. So these things that happen to you are normally followed with intense emotions of fear and anxiety because, well, you you can't do anything about whatever impending thing is coming your way. It's almost like schizophrenia. It is almost like schizophrenia. Like a mild case. It happens in your body and while you're laying down in your most comfortable place. So why does it happen? So there's a lot of theories. And one of the theories I wanted to go into was uh, minor neuron systems have an importance in the body and doing like minor things throughout. And sometimes these little neurons can kind of screw with you when you wake up. And these micro-neuron connections are actually the things that may also cause hallucinations. And they almost, 
like this is a system in your own body, the minor neuron system, and it can give you the feeling of an out-of-body experience because of the tiny neurons firing off. But normally you don't sense them, so it's it's an unearthly experience. So many people have actually connected sleep paralysis to people accounting that they have, you know, abducted by aliens. Okay, yeah, the out-of-body experience to see all those crazy Or have died yeah. and seen their body from the outside. So the minor neuron system is believed to modulate uh, the, sensory, the sensory nerves in the body and is located in the prefrontal cortex and will interact with the right superior lobule, and these circuits may turn into a theory of mind which lets yourself see through a different perspective. So, like, if you've ever wanted to, like, see yourself from outside your body, these nerves are kind of doing that to you while you're in this state. Yikes. Yikes. But there's no, like, no one's more prone to it. I mean, people who sleep a lot, and they are obviously more prone to it just out of chance. But it's not bad for you. It's not going to kill you. It might just spook you. Well, I have a question. Is it, I mean, is the sleep paralysis similar to being completely awake, whereas you're sitting in a classroom for a while, your limbs fall asleep? Is that that, I mean, that doesn't have a mental aspect to it, but it certainly has a physical aspect. No, there are uh, physical similarities between those two effects because it's kind of your body is, in a sense, parts of it has kind of shut down from your mind and it's kind of let your mind run free, like daydreaming in class, and then you kind of lose feeling. Your limbs fall asleep because you don't have to use them right now. And when you sleep, you're not using your limbs. That's why this happens before you fall asleep and immediately when you wake up because your body's still in that sleep state that it doesn't need its left arm like me this morning while I'm trying to get out of bed. But what's funny is this isn't like a modern concept. It's actually been going on since the dawn of man. If you look in mythologies, the story of going outside of one's body shows up in Greek mythology and Roman myth, Roman stories and all like myths all, and even accounts of it in the 15th, 16th century Renaissance era. In spooky stories still today, the idea of like having an out-of-body experience is what sleep paralysis is. So it's still relevant to our times. And I don't know... It's not so big of an issue that people are going to try to fix it. Like cuz no one's getting hurt. No, no one's That's the point. No one gets into sleep paralysis and dies. People just get into sleep paralysis and then are very annoyed for the next 2 minutes. Or it freaks them out. Which you can see why. Which is normally a big fear of it because if someone if someone were to get sleep paralysis and they wake up and they can't move but say it's still dark out and you can't see the creature creature quotation marks hiding behind the corner you might think oh man this is how I go and I can't move and that's a terrifying sensation so that's where I mean modern sleep paralysis comes into play it's like the idea of fear like those two go hand in hand fear and sleep paralysis like if you're paralyzed in your sleep like fear is there that's when you're vulnerable your body instinctually tells you that fight or flight and because you can't get away obviously that's where the fear comes in because you can't fight and you can't flight. You just have to sit there and see what happens. 
And since you can't move, you also can't, if you think something's in the corner of your eye, you can't turn to see if it's there and you just have to face the reality of you just have to lay there and not move. You know, a phenomenon similar to the sleep paralysis, I I mentioned it in a a previous episode, um, the hypnagogic jerk, which is when your neurons are acting and your mind is acting on a different wavelength and then one, whereas your mind is falling asleep, whereas your neurons are still firing normal and then it catches up all of a sudden. That's why you get that sense of falling. That's the same idea of your, your neurons that can take you in that out-of-body experience. It's a crazy phenomenon, and it, and it is a scientific, it's a sensation that your body experiences because of actual triggers in the body. Yeah, science is wild. Sleep science is really sleep wild. Sleep science, dreaming, sleep paralysis, because all of that. It's hard, it's hard to control something. Like, you can't force, from what I found, you can't force a sleep paralysis. And, you know, some things are left unsolved. I feel like sleep paralysis will stay like that for a while until they actually find out what physically causes it. Because even for me this morning, I know I had a really minor case, but like I'm still thinking about it. And it's like I didn't eat anything weird. I didn't sleep like I may have slept on it weird because I woke up and then fell back asleep on top of it. That may have caused it. But there's no like tall tale signs like oh if you do this you're gonna wake up with this or fall asleep with sleep paralysis and also a lot of things is the fears and the hallucinations you see are not something that's predicted that's something in your mind so your particular case of sleep paralysis will be different from someone else's completely yeah it's completely fabricated by your own mind so whatever your mind thinks is what it's going to create but yeah sleep paralysis is a crazy thing um, it's one of those things that I hope everybody experiences once in their life. Oh yeah. Cause it's a little spooky, but a little cool at the same time, but very spooky at the same time. Very. Yeah. But once it happens, you'll know, you'll tell, you know, I have had a minor case, but it wasn't an out of body experience. It was just a, I know I'm awake. I just can't move. And your brain, my brain wasn't fully functioning. Like think about what I'm going to do next. It was kind of thinking like, okay, I'm awake. Now it's time to get the day started. But I obviously wasn't moving and I just laid there for like an hour and I guess I ended up falling back asleep. I, I know that's an experience that nothing actually, I didn't see anything. I would love to experience like an out of body where you're looking in at yourself. How crazy would that be? Yeah, that'd be a little wild. Yeah. But yeah, sleep paralysis. Fascinating. All right, we're going to move on here. So last week I brought up um, in our world record episode the world record of getting struck by lightning. And do you remember how many times it was? Seven times, and the last time was fighting a bear. Yeah, it was fighting a bear while trying to protect his fish. Good old Roy Sullivan, the uh, park ranger from the Shenandoah Valley. So I wanted to know what exactly happens when you're struck by lightning, and why are people that are struck by lightning more prone to getting struck again? Like, why was Roy struck seven times, whereas I have never been struck by lightning? That's interesting because last night I actually woke up this morning. The first time before I got the sleep paralysis, I was woken up by a thunder, a thunder which it sounded like it was right up my window. Oh, I, yeah. My whole body shook. I heard that too. That yeah. same exact boom. Yeah. At six I'm o'clock. right across Broad Street from you. Yeah. yeah six yeah. o'clock. Yeah. Well, we were both up. <laughs> and I was up. I was like, that's a great way to wake up. So lightning strikes uh, someplace on earth about 100 times per second. Isn't that unreal? 
So around that's around 3 billion times per year. Um, you have a 1 in 100,000th chance per year of getting struck by lightning and 1 in 3,000 chances in over an average lifetime. So That's not that far. No, not at all. Um, so we knowing that there's that much lightning out there you wonder do you know anyone who's been struck by lightning i already asked you and you said you said no right no i have not been i think um i only know uh, a family friend knows someone who was struck by lightning but i don't i don't know them personally i don't, I don't know anyone who's struck by lightning so a single lightning strike is actually 3,000 kilovolts, heating the air to around 27,700 degrees Celsius. So in comparison, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. Um, 27,700 degrees Celsius is five times hotter than the surface of the sun. So it's hot. Yeah, it's super hot. And it happens in like three milliseconds is what a lightning strike would be, whether that's hitting a tree, a lightning rod, a person. So what exactly happens when you're struck by lightning? Because you got to wonder, if it's that hot, is it going to just melt your insides? But everyone knows that people have survived. Obviously, Roy Sullivan, seven times. Um, so while many times it may induce cardiac arrest, stopping the heart from beating immediately, that's like the first normal thing that would cause death. Um, other times, if the current goes up into your skull, it can actually cook and melt your brain, which makes sense because it's that hot. But it all depends on where the current's going. Normally, the current will flow from the air down your body into the ground. That's normally the way electricity yeah, will travel. Sense. It's, it's going to ground it. So, well, actually, 70 to 90% of lightning strike victims actually survive. So that's a pretty high percentage. Yeah, as you stated, I think the only thing that would kill someone from being shocked would be the cardiac arrest. The cardiac arrest, yeah. Um, it can cause third-degree burns, which obviously won't kill you. It's, it's going to be painful. Hurt. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, at the entry and exit points, that's where you would receive the burns. It can also create lightning bolt-shaped burn marks. So this was very interesting. Um, the burn marks are called Lichtenberg figures, and it actually looks like a lightning bolt itself fully expanded. It looks kind of like roots from a tree or branches from a tree. You know, it's just branches out. It's crazy. So the heat and force can singe and shred clothing. Lightning strikes have blown people clear out of their shoes. Like it'll knock your socks off. It literally <laughs> will because it's going out your feet. It's going to knock whatever's there off. So it's complete. it completely makes sense. The damage can even be worse if you're holding a metal object. So that immediately makes you think of like, okay, the last golfer on the golf course in the middle of a thunderstorm. So there's actually in Florida – it has the world record for the most lightning strikes. On golf courses? On golf courses, obviously, holding metal objects. That increases the likelihood of being struck in the first place. Um, there's actually 126 deaths in the last decade alone in uh, Florida. Really? Just from light lightning? Lightning strikes, yeah. Um, and it's not from the regional topography, but it's due to the state's vibrant golf culture. <laughs> I know. So neurologically, you will likely lose lose consciousness from anywhere from a few minutes to a few years. So you could be knocked into a coma. It just from mixes up strike. the regulation in your brain of everything that's going on. You could suffer brain damage because in the cellular structure of your brain, it literally cooks it from the current state of what it is. It'll, it'll like melt it and mush it into something. Now, this doesn't happen too much because like I said, 70 to 90% of people survive and they're fine. But the question is, are they really fine? So there's longer term neurological um, side effects to it. Anywhere from personality changes, learning disabilities, sleep disorders, seizures, um, Parkinson's disease, um, 
eventually it could even lead to like permanent paralysis, concussions, blown eardrums. Well, the blown eardrum is going to be in the moment. Yeah. That's just from the thunder. That's not from the lightning. Um, cataracts. And obviously you could just get like an achy pain. If you look at pictures online of lightning strike victims, yeah, they had those scars, those really unique looking scars, but they they suffered a lot of nerve damage. A lot of times they can't feel limbs after that. So our good old buddy Roy Sullivan, who has a record for the most lightning strikes, seven, actually took his own life in the in the end. And that was most likely a result of being struck so many times. It's the same idea as having someone go to an electric shock chair multiple times. It's going to mess them up, you know? Yeah, I get Just you. like back in the day. It's the same idea. It's just a whole lot of voltage. So an unfortunate end to Roy, and that happens to a lot of lightning strike survivors. And a lot of times doctors don't know what to do to the lightning strike survivors because it's not like a common thing. So there's a lot of like societies that have come together to help kind of rehab lightning strike victims. Is it that, I mean, it sounds common now that you've given me some stats, but is it that common? It's not that common in the, in the scale of things because there's so many people um, on such a large earth, but it, it happens, you know? Just ask around and see if you know anyone, not within your family, but if your family members know anyone who's been struck by lightning. There's a there's a chance that there's someone in there. So, and my last question was, how about getting struck multiple times? Roy was struck seven times. And how, why was he prone to being struck more than once? Like, is it after the first time you get struck, you're just going to get hit again because you're now a human, human lightning rod? Well... I couldn't find anything. There's no specific research on the that relevance of getting struck multiple times. The only things that I can find that I can confirm, it's definitely a lifestyle factor involved. So obviously if you're outside, Golfing. there's a chance yeah. of getting struck by lightning. If you're inside, not so much. Inside a car, I mean, it depends. But Roy Sullivan was a park ranger. He worked outside every single day. He worked up inside like a an observation tower. That's a pretty good destination to get struck by lightning. High you know? altitude outside. Oh, yeah. Same with like lifeguards on the beach by the water in the open. Obviously, you're going to be a target. So it has to do with the lifestyle more than anything. There's nothing that physically changes in your body other than maybe like neurons being damaged and allowing electricity to flow through you better maybe. But that's that's kind of ridiculous when you look at things because all most likely all the people who have been struck by lightning were outside. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> a lot of them golfers. A lot of them Florida. golfers holding metal poles, not at, not inside sitting at their computer. Oh, yeah. But outside in the rain running from a storm. Exactly. Now, so. did you find anything on what happens if you're in a car and it's struck by lightning? Well, a car is obviously, um, a majority of the car is made out of metal. So, obviously, the metal will attract it. And a lot of times it is grounded immediately through the tires because they're rubber tires, insulators. So, there's... A lot of the time you wouldn't get shocked. I um, I would like to talk to someone who's been in a car that has been or a bus or anything that's been struck by lightning. I bet it was just really loud. And if anyone was injured, I wonder if it's because they were holding something directly metal. That's the only reason. I mean, obviously, in the air around you, everything would be charged. Like all the particles would just be like your hair would be sticking up. Well, I remember what a crazy sensation. Uh, one time I slept on a sailboat. Uh, family friends of ours, they own a sailboat near Indianapolis. And they were there during a thunderstorm. And we were sitting in like the di- the like main area of the boat. And it's a big sailboat, big mast, so key target for lightning strike, obviously. Of course. And the, the captain, 
the my dad's friend, he pointed out three poles throughout the room that we were in. It's like, do not touch these poles. These are the poles that ground the mast straight down to the water. So if there is a lightning strike, you don't want to be touching that. No, because right? you're going to get shot. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the contact with something that goes directly outside. Lightning's crazy, man. It is. It's it's And it's completely natural. Well, the thing is, you know, thunder is, it gets so hot, you said, hotter than the sun, that it, like, explodes the molecules around it yeah. to create that boom. Yeah, it's it's complete molecular gaps within space that fill in so quickly that it's a huge boom. I love it, though. Love science. Science is cool. But, yeah, is that all for this That's week? That's all for this week. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Two Top. And, you know, we'll be back again. Yeah, we'll catch you uh, next week in a bigger studio. Yeah, but, I mean, you guys can't tell that. But, hey, uh, lightning may not strike twice in the same spot, but we're always back Tuesdays every week. So come listen. Bye. This was Two Top, an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and join us next week for another Two Topics.